Hello and good day, beautiful, marvelous, incredible world family, human being. I am sending all of my love, well wishes, good vibes, prayers to you, your family, your friends, everyone you're connected to, wishing you all of the best. We've got an absolutely tremendous episode of the show for you today. We have Serena Sterling on, and we are talking about healing from chronic fatigue and depression through neuroemotional techniques. This is a great episode. We talk about a lot of things. We talk about uh, her being in North. In New York for the 9-11 event. I'm doing lines of cocaine while working for a spiritual magazines. Uh, how the doctors diagnosed her with chronic fatigue. That was supposed to be a lifelong uh, thing that she had no you know, chance of recovery, which was obviously wrong. We talk about neuro-emotional technique, uh, traditional Chinese therapy, the iceberg analogy, mind over matter, uh, empowering beliefs, allopathic medicine, mental nutriments, victim mentality, finding your tribe, and so much more. If you enjoy this episode, please do what you can to share it on Facebook, Instagram, um, other platforms are even better, like Telegram just recently got deleted on YouTube, so find the show on Odyssey. You can also get directly connected to me, mattbelair.com. Join the email list so that you are connected um, and can send you all of the updates. Find me on Telegram, uh, t.me forward slash mattbelair. Um, you can support the show by becoming a member as well. You can you know, chip in a small monthly donation or you can even have it for free. Just hit me up, matt at zenathlete.com, and I'm happy to help you out. And for those of you guys who are looking for a step-by-step -step master system for knowing and living your life purpose, how to architect your life, how to become fearless, um, create a stronger connection with spirit, look for community and accountability and support while you build and architect your dreams and you're committed to being the solution here. So living your life of balance, of empowerment, of support and knowing your contribution, you know, getting better at what you came here uh, to learn and to grow and to contribute to community. Uh, hit me up, mattbelair.com forward slash coaching. Um, you can go through the Soul Compass course. The Quantum Heart Hypnosis audios are incredibly powerful and there's the Atomic Alchemy coaching group and one-on-one -on -one options as well all of it designed to support you to really use every ounce of your being to create and architect your authentic you know highest potential of reality you know that unique gift that unique part of who you are your soul and not compromise for anything and so if that sounds like you hit me up would love to hear from you um, learn more about you and your story the best way to support this show is to do three kind acts wherever you are in the world today make someone else's life better tell a joke reach out reach out pay it forward pick up a piece of trash help a neighbor do whatever you can um, and that's it. So uh, I also want to thank uh, Alana for um, supporting me and uh, doing some work in the background. Also, my friend Sandra has been helping and all the other people have been sharing, supporting and leaving reviews. Uh, anything to support the show is helpful because it is challenging times right now. So that's it. Uh, thank you guys for being here. And let's come into a state of peace and co coherence before we dive in. Wherever you are in the world, just stop what you're doing. Take in a deep breath in through your nose. Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, compassion, kindness, courage, inspiration, connection, and ready to enjoy this phenomenal episode with Serena Sterling. Hello and welcome to the Mastermind Body and Spirit Show. I'm your host, Matt Belair. 
As you know, we are overcoming extreme censorship. If you want to support this show, please go over to mattbelair.com, become a member for free or by donation, share, leave a review, and most importantly, consider doing three kind acts wherever you are in the world today. Today's guest is a doctor of clinical psychology and author of the book, Pain, A Love Story, which outlines her spiritual journey of healing backed by scientific research. Welcome to the show, Serena Sterling. Thank you so much for having me. So excited to be here. I'm so excited for this podcast as well. I looked a little bit about your story and I kept the bio deliberately short because I was looking, I was like, holy smokes. I was like, the, some of the description in there, I was like, wow, that's amazing. Like what a, a transformation and shift in perspective of how you were living your life, what you were doing, you know, what you were doing for work, how you thought about things, and then how you kind of got to the other side of uh, healing and um, just living in a totally different way. So I don't want to um, create any spoilers in the in the in the uh, intro, but I'd love for you to share a little bit about your story and your journey and what got you to where you are today, because I think it's incredibly powerful. And I feel like people are going through that right now on mass in either smaller versions or hopefully not as intense. But, um, you know, I think people are, are going through that crisis in, in um, a similar way. Right. Well, thank you. And I would love to know at some point after I tell my a part of my story, what exactly the part of any parts that you found uh, in particularly interesting. But I can say that I was on a trajectory to become a journalist and editor in New York City. Um, I went to journalism school in London, did a master's in journalism over there. And But I think over there is where I started to get a little tired, not, be, not just because I had a pretty bad diet of, you know, I was in my early 20s and drinking a lot and the the rain and constant gray skies was pretty challenging, even though I'd spent five years in Portland, Oregon for undergrad. But um, I think it was just kind of being a little disillusioned by journalism. I knew that there was something else I wanted to do. I wasn't sure what it was. Got my dream job though at Spirituality and Health Magazine in New York City. And then three weeks into my professional honeymoon, I found myself two blocks from the World Trade Center when all the chaos was happening on 9-11. And it was a complete whiteout when I um, when I got to street level from the subway. The first tower had already collapsed, and I think I went into shock. Then um, I saw the second tower collapse as I was walking away, and then I basically had to work from home because my office was damaged. Um, it wasn't really damaged, but it, like somehow all the um, all the ash came through the vents. Um, in my building. So it had to be cleaned and it took five months to clean it for some reason. So I worked from home, which was great. I like to work from home. However, I got extremely tired. And so I just would like sleep on my couch. And, you know, this was like 2001. Um, and even though I grew up with a really good diet, for some <laughs> reason, I was like trying out the hot pockets. <laughs> <laughs> and like, it was the time where you'd snack wells was like, oh, you can eat like 15 cookies, but it's only 100 calories. Um, <laughs> so I'd be like, yum, yum, yum. Like, as I'm just like digesting all this terrible like news every night. Um, and lo and behold, I got really tired, but it was, I got tired for other reasons too. Um, 
And I would say that like, I hit rock bottom because I was like, finally, I went to a friend and I was like, Hey, can you get me some Adderall or Ritalin? Because it's the only thing that's going to make a difference. Like all the coffee in the world is not going to keep me awake right now. And if I don't do my job, I'm going to have to end up, you know, probably moving home to see my parents in Philadelphia. And I just, I don't want to do that. So he was like, I can't get that for you, but what I can get is cocaine. And I was like, Oh, well, I'm desperate. So, (laughs) (laughs) well, it's close. So, (laughs) and I was like, I'm not doing this to like party and have fun while I am like trying to do my work. I just basically like, I, I was desperate for figuring out how to stay awake because I was like, I would walk three blocks and then take a two hour nap. I was just like, I was so tired and I couldn't figure it out. And I was like, I'll just self-medicate until I get better. Sure. (laughs) So there I was doing lines of cocaine on my kitchen counter. And then I would sit down at my computer and like figure out how to update the new website for spirituality and health magazine. (laughs) (laughs) The slight contrast people are going there, you know, it's like, okay, wow. And I was like, I did that for like a month and a half. And I was like, okay, sat myself down in a way. And I was like, your interest is health and wellness. And this is like the farthest thing from health and wellness. Even if like you can justify it and like you stop at like three and you don't do it on the weekends and all this stuff. But I was miserable. And I was like, this isn't, this is a band-aid approach. And, um, you know, then I went to my medical doctor and he was like, yep, you've got chronic fatigue. Just learn to cope. There's nothing you can do about it. Oh, stay away from sugar and caffeine. And I was like, wow, like, where do you learn how to give, you know, a sentence like that? Um, So anyway, I'd been introduced to a mind-body stress reduction technique when I was still an undergrad in Portland. And I found someone who did it. And even after the first session, I felt so much better. I, I walked home, which in New York, like, you know, you're just surrounded by constant stuff stimuli and um but it was like three miles and i hadn't been able to walk more than three blocks and so i kept seeing her within three weeks i was a hundred percent better so that really i was like that's what i want to do i want you know i was writing about health and wellness articles but i wanted to figure out because it was so it was like she could figure out basically that i had repressed all these emotions from 9 11 of anger and terror and helplessness and powerless and all these things. And I just stuffed them, but they didn't have anywhere to go. So they manifested as fatigue in my body. And once I figured that out with her help, then I could, I felt lighter and I had more clarity and motivation to have a better life. Wow. Well, that's intense. I didn't know if you were going to keep going. There. I was like, holy smokes. I was like, you know, what, <laughs> what a journey. And there's so many points there. I think that are important. Like number one, you go to a doctor for help, right? And then they give you the, you know, the life sentence. Oh, you just have chronic fatigue. You know, maybe we'll give you some pills, but you're going to have to deal with this. There, there's nothing you could do. You have no power within yourself to heal your body. And, you know, so many people go through that. And the problem is we're also conditioned to believe these people. And unfortunately, so many people end up doing that and they live their lives like that because of what one person has told them through um, what I've learned over the last year. You know, a lot, a lot of doctors are really great, but it is a, 
an institution that has kind of been hijacked by Rockefeller. So you're not seeing all the sides of the coin where a lot of the doctors now that I know that, um, you know, focus on terrain theory in the body or homeopathic medicine or all these alternative uh, ways, right? They're problem solving for you to get back into homeostasis and where you're supposed to be, where, you know, a lot of the traditional doctors are looking for, um, you know, pharmacy or whatever they can to get you back to normal, which might not be the, uh, as an effective approach always. And it's kind of like anything like martial arts or, you know, a car mechanic, you have different perspectives, you know, for solving a problem. And so uh, other people like in the natural health are really just trying to problem solve in various different ways. They're not looking to cast a death sentence of, you know, uh, you can't fix this, right? It's like, no, we will figure out a way to help get you back. And so the first question I'd have is, can you, I don't know how complicated that technique is, but I know people would be really curious about that. You know, can you explain a little bit about the technique and what it is? Um, how do you help people with their healing? And, um, and does it work for a variety of different things? Is it just about, you know, getting out past emotions and traumas? Because that's something that over the years of podcasting and talking to a lot of people who have a powerful healing or powerful transformation, nine times out of 10, it has to do with some sort of emotional response uh, being stored in the body. And then the body, you know, doesn't know how to uh, alchemize it or filter it or process it. So it ends up just dragging us down because we haven't processed this thing that's kind of sitting with us. So can you speak on that a little bit? Yes. So the technique that I, I was looking for and that this doctor, uh, Dr. Linda Rendazzo, she's still in New York, not New York city, but, um, it's called, yeah, it's called neuroemotional technique. It was developed by a chiropractor back in 1988. Um, and this is now what I specialize in. It's now I've, I've learned the technique myself. I've added to it with a few other modalities, but um, basically she uses applied kinesiology, which is muscle testing to access the physiology of your emotions. So we actually feel all of our emotions and our body first, but then our minds, our brains make sense of it. So that's where I think this is, I, I mean, I did a doctorate in clinical psychology, but I did see a limitation to just the talk it out approach, especially when you have some sort of physical complaint, like um, a chronic condition that's not been helped by allopathic medicine. Um, but even things like anxiety and depression can be helped because you can only talk so much about something. And even if it's a trauma, I found that I, I did all this work with her. And then I remember having a therapist when I was, I had to get like 55 hours of psychotherapy to graduate from my program. My therapist kept using his own agenda and being like, we need to talk about the trauma you had on 9-11. And I'd be like, no, we don't actually, I've, I've done my work around this. And to just talk about it is actually going to re-traumatize myself if it has nowhere to go. Um, if you just keep talking and talking, you're just bringing it up, but not doing really much about it. Um, at least that's been my experience, both personally and professionally. So, so it uses applied kinesiology, the basic form of muscle testing, um, if I were in person with someone, I'd be holding up their arm and just doing the arm press down, but chiropractors do it a lot more. There's like all different body parts you can use and that tells them different, gives them different feedback. I've figured out a way, and a lot of people are doing this also, where you're doing self muscle testing um, to tap into someone's energy. I actually tap into the vibration of their voice to get a feedback to, um, to whether they're okay with something or not okay with something. And then it uses principles of Chinese medicine of how the different organs are, they correspond to different emotions. So like liver corresponds to 
anger, resentment, galled, stubborn, things like that. Um, gallbladder, stuff like that. And then, so then we bring up the emotion. So like she could say, or she could find out, okay, feel the pain in your shoulder and then it would go weak. And then I, she would connect it to see if there's an emotional component to that using some other points like up here, your emotional points. And then she finds the emotion or I would find the emotion. Um, so like the, I'm going through the pulse points here, but uh, there's like pulse points and the organ system through Chinese medicine, like fire, wood, water. Um, and then I find the emotion and then it's kind of like, okay, so, um, why do you feel, why did you feel helpless on nine 11, which seems really obvious, <laughs> but you know, you bring up the emotion and then you tie it, you can tie it back to something that happened earlier in your life, which is what, um, it's this idea of what Freud gave us, which was repetition compulsion. We keep doing the same thing because we learned it at some point in our life as that was a coping mechanism and it helped us survive that situation. And then, but you still are doing the same thing and you get re-triggered to do the same thing, even if it's not helpful. So it's kind of like, why do people keep dating the wrong type of person? Well, it was safe to date the narcissistic father figure when you were younger it's no longer helpful, but you get re-triggered and attracted to certain types of people because it feels comfortable. So <clears throat> there's all that is to say that it basically like identifies the emotion, it lifts it up. You can look at it and look at how it's related to your present issue and trace it back to an earlier event when something wasn't fully processed, but now you're getting re-triggered to feel the same thing. And it can affect your body. It can affect your mood. It can affect your thoughts and beliefs. Right. Well, you know, I've heard of similar techniques and actually I use a few that are that are very similar to that. And it's all really about finding it and then processing it. And the way that I've explained it is that um, if your I don't know, your puppy dog gets run over by a yellow truck when you're four, you know, all of a sudden, maybe when you're 25 and you get picked up for a date and somebody comes in a yellow truck, you know, you're like something about this person I don't really like, you know what I mean? And you won't even be aware of that because that that emotion is still tied to that event. And so what happens is you have this certain filter that comes up in the way you operate, the way you think, the way you process things. Um, but if you're able to kind of unhook the charge of it, unhook the uh, emotional trauma or all those things, then that that memory will be there, but that charge won't be there to kind of bring up a filter that may or may not serve you moving forward. And so when I was in uh, China training with the Shaolin monks, what they knew and taught about the energy body was phenomenal. I did uh, a few classes in, in um, traditional Chinese therapy and acupuncture and the graphs and the things that they would say, I was like, holy smokes. So like, oh yeah, if you have a, you know, a cold, we go here and we put one as like the charts. And it was, it wasn't, it was all Chinese literally, um, but it was incredible how in depth it was. And this was an ancient system that for, for them, that's what they use. And actually one of the teachers that would go around and, and heal politicians and very powerful people. And so I, I understand, you know, in principle, what you're speaking about. And I'm just curious, for when you're working for a person or, or helping them, what is the part, what's happening where they're able to heal it? How long does it take? Like, where does it go where they're able to unhook the, the charge or trigger? And is it possible for a person to apply this technique or something similar to begin making pro progress? Maybe they have a trauma in their past. Maybe they're just in depression or maybe they're really worried about what things are going on. They're like, you know what? I feel terrible right now. Um, I do maybe want to add, get prescription drugs or cocaine or, or whatever, or just, I want to feel less anxious because there's so much trauma. Is there something that people can do uh, that you've learned? 
learned that they can apply themselves to kind of feel a little bit better and, and uh, be more empowered? Yes. So that's a good question. I mean, I can't, people can't learn this technique unless they have like a higher degree in the healing arts, which is why I switched from journalism and got a degree in psychology just so I could learn these techniques. But I've, I've come to the conclusion that there are certain things you can do to, it's kind of like connecting the dots of like, okay, so, um, I feel depressed right now, or I feel, or I developed this weird, um, pain in my side that was never here before. I wonder, you know, like, okay, if you go to your medical doctor, you're probably going to get prescription or you're probably going to have a lot of tests done and a lot of tests come back negative. And they're like, no, I still have this pain in my side. I wonder what that is. What I have found most helpful is that you can look at, okay, figure out when this happened. When did you start to feel either depressed or this weird pain in the side? Like bring up your calendar be like, okay, it was actually, you know, I, I told my friend that I had this weird pain in my side three days ago. What was going on in my life three days ago? And really try to figure it out. Like what was going on in your relationships? Like what was going on in the world? <laughs> Especially right now, the world is a little bit crazy. Um, and if there was anything that was different, if you're like, okay, um, oh yeah, I had a fight with my partner and, you know, I don't think that really got resolved. We talked about stuff, but I don't, I don't know if like things and there could be just some emotions that never got fully processed. There could be, um, this is just an example of just kind of like, okay, so yeah, that really triggered me. I really felt like I wasn't seen or heard or, you know, that's step two would be like, what, what were the feelings associated with that? Like, okay. So I felt like I did when I was a child and my dad didn't pay attention to me because, you know, he just was a narcissist and had to be right about something. Like if you can kind of connect the dots of what happened, um, because often there is a precipitating event. Uh, I worked with a guy a few years ago. He kept injuring the same exact area of his hamstring. Um, and it was from an injury, like ultimate, ultimate Frisbee, I think, um, which is really big in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> um, ultimate Frisbee is great. I, I, you know, that came in through in high school as an unnecessary side note, but <laughs> when it came into our high school, we had a pretty athletic uh, group of people and it ended up being one of the most fun sports. So you just get to run and chase it like uh, you know, like a dog after a Frisbee, but yeah, so I can, I can see that it's fun. Does look fun, but for some reason he kept injuring the same part of his hamstring. He'd go to physical therapy and he'd like rehab it for like six months, and then he'd go back, and then within two weeks he would injure it again, um, and then he'd go back and rehab it, and then he was like, "Okay, there's got to be something else going on." And after asking him certain questions like this, like, "Well, what was going on in your life right before the first injury, or right after?" the injury, um, we pieced it together that he had moved in with his girlfriend um, a month after the first injury. And so I was like, okay, well, there's something there then. Let's, my clinical brain is like, okay, what about that cohabitation was problematic for him? And it turned out that every time she would ask him, let's have a talk, where is this going? How we've been together for like a few years, like, aren't you going to pop the question? He would, he would basically have his injury happen again. 
um, because she wasn't the one for him. Like she, it was comfortable, but he was like, I don't want to pop the question if I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure that I want to get married, but, but in his mind, he was kind of like, you know, he just kind of went along for the ride and it was fine, but it wasn't fine because his body was telling him it's not fine. And that's what happens. I find if you like settle for someone or something, your body's going to let you know. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's powerful. And I can say the same thing from working with athletes. Uh, often I would get these athletes that would be the best in their field, you know, have all the capabilities of being first. Right. And we would go through a very similar process. And, and I like yours because it's like, okay, you know, figure out when that injury happened or, 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 you know, what kind of self-diagnosis can you do? And fundamentally, I think it's important for people to have the belief or understanding you can diagnose yourself right? You have all the information necessary. It's in your subconscious mind. Your body is incredibly intelligent. Um, you know, it doesn't have to be like exact and like, you know, like a voice from the heavens saying, this is exactly it. You know what I mean? You're going to be guided through your own tuition just to do a self-inquiry. So know that you have healing within your capabilities. Um, but you'd ask them the question, right? And say, oh, when did this injury happen? And then get a little bit of information there. Um, talk about the emotions because they're important. They're going to be what's kind of tying that to the body, right? The bigger the emotion, um, the bigger the trauma or the disease potentially. Like there's people who have had stories of like getting, you know, you know, liver disease and things like that from like an emotional experience that they would, you know, choose to store in their liver per se or stomach or heart or whatever the case is um, from sort of, of an emotional trauma that wasn't processed. And so, once you do that, then you go into the past and say, you know, do you remember a time when, when this first happened, when you first had that emotion? Because as children, we're not uh, taught to process these emotions. And so when I would do that with athletes, usually going back to, you know, something in their childhood where they didn't feel good enough or they didn't want to be seen or whatever the case is, that's the reason why they would always come in second. Because if they became first, right, they were the head, they, everyone was looking at them. They had all this pressure. There was all these different things, but they could kind of be second. They could be good enough for second because they weren't worthy or good enough for first. And uh, it's, it was so interesting that I didn't expect that because I was going through martial arts and doing peak performance and uh, mindset. So I'm thinking we're going to go into this whole field, but I'd done a lot of this other work through, you know, my studies. And I was like, I don't even need that. All I need to do. I just, I just have a conversation with them. I know exactly where it's going to go. It's going to go back to a childhood memory. We're going to talk about it, right. Help them process it and not just relive it. And then all of a sudden the next competition, they'd be getting first over and over again. And that was like a huge aha moment for me. And I'm like, what is going on? And it's interesting that, um, it doesn't matter if you're in your 30s, 40s, 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s. If you haven't learned how to process that, it's still coming up like a filter, right? It's like how they navigate because, you know, once we get that belief system, the body and the mind thinks it's protecting us by coming second. You know what I mean? Maybe you're abused and or whatever the case is, it thinks it's protecting you. So you need to have that awareness so you can switch the programming. And so I'd love for you to either, if you want to comment on what I just said, or, um, you know, talk a little bit about the book and what's the inspiration behind it. Like, what are you trying to share or help or empower people with, you know, because I feel like it's very important, your story, 
um, and how you were able to process it. And a lot of people are going through a massive transition right now. And transitions can be very frightening. You know, it's a huge leap of faith. But, you know, um, we, we do need to make sometimes little changes and sometimes big changes. And we're kind of being forced into this in, in some ways, right? We were talking a little bit about the current events and how some people are being forced into, you know, make, maybe taking the needle and maybe they don't want to. You know, maybe their choice is, hey, you know, I don't want this thing, but we're going to take away your livelihood. So then they're going to be like, holy smokes, how do I how do I continue forward? How do I remain empowered and in a in a, a strong mindset, but be able to stand my ground um, against something I might not want to do? Yes. OK, so there's a lot I was thinking of as you're talking. Um, and I would say one thing to remember is that a lot of this is unconscious. Like, you know, that's why I use my logo as a, as an iceberg. Like you see the tip of the iceberg, that's just like the 10%, that's the symptom. But underneath all of that is like all the unconscious processes, all the, the emotions, all the, your history, all your memories, all your relationships. And that's kind of running the show, but you're not even aware of it sometimes. Um, and so like with your athletes, they're not, they're not doing that purposely, but it's running the show. And I remember it reminds me of a, an athlete, a baseball player I worked with a few years ago also, who he, he had to like, he had to, I didn't know enough about like the lingo with baseball or even football, but I was just kind of like, let's just, let's see what the emotions are. <laughs> and so he had to, uh, increase his velocity if he wanted to get on the team. And he kept, uh, he couldn't get it above 90 miles an hour and still extremely fast to me. But um, he, it turned out that we did the technique that I was describing and, and his father had um, played in the minor leagues, but he never got it above 90. And so it was almost like his son was now trying to protect his dad from like feeling bad if he actually did better than him and, you know, pitched the ball faster. But all of this was unconscious. So until we brought it to light and we're like, oh, okay, let's look at that. Let's look at like, okay, how would you feel if you actually outdid your dad? Would your dad feel? And it's all what I call emotional reality. It's basically like, well, I assume my dad would, you know, be jealous of me and not treat me as well and I'd lose his love okay, well, your dad is existing in your mind right now because that's what you're making up. And now you're living as if that's true, but you're not ask, actually inviting your dad to have this conversation with you because that would make you more vulnerable and it would be harder to have a conversation, but you might as well now that you know. <laughs> so, so a lot of um, that is all, it starts with awareness. You can't do anything. You can't even like make decisions if you don't have that awareness. So if you're thinking of like, well, why is there such a divide between like people getting the shot versus people not? Um, a lot of people just take the shot because, you know, things are being taken away from you. You can't, or it just seems like that's what for the greater good, you're having the, these messages sent to you nonstop of like, this is what you need to do to protect yourself. But then there's this whole other camp saying like, no, actually, you could have these adverse reactions, especially if you already have like an autoimmune disease, if you have other conditions in your body you could exacerbate it. Um, so it's kind of like, okay, well, if you start to look at that, then you gain the awareness of, let me go down this rabbit hole. <laughs> it's a really big one. But it's kind of like, let's gain awareness of like, what, what do I want? And 
how do I feel about taking this? And, um, you know, even if you have some sort of like emotion around it, if you start, you know, you could also piece together, like, I feel anxious because of what the two different things being sent my way of like, do I take it? Do I not take it? If I don't take it, then this will be um, deprived. I won't get this, this, and this. But if I stay on this camp, then I get this. It's kind of just like weighing your pros and cons. And um, I think that there's a lot more, a lot more depression and anxiety in the past year because of all the things that are coming our way that we don't, we don't even have the full story. We have a lot of us have to do our own research around this versus like what we're just being told to believe. And it's kind of similar to like, you go to the medical doctor and he's like, yeah, you have this condition. You take these pills, but you're kind of like, well, for how long will it make me better? Am I going to have side effects or, you know, it's kind of the same thing. I'm, rambling but i i wonder if that's <laughs> yeah no i, I like that because what it made me think of is like when you're going through that process um you say okay and you're trying to think about the choice you're going to make right well on one side it's almost like fear and coercion you know what i mean you need to you need to do your part right um if you don't do it we're going to take this away from you right so you have this um manipulation and this coercion almost and and i'd love to hear your thoughts on on when we're making decisions how do we how do we know for being clear-minded how do we know what's right right because to me if you're being coerced right and and threatened in a way like we're going to take this away you know life isn't going to be as good you know then it it creates it requires more courage and more awareness and more knowledge to stand firm you know in your ground and what your decision is, you know, and I feel like any person out there who is trying to coerce you in that way, in that negative way, well, you won't get this. And, and Hey, here's a little donut. If you take <laughs> it, it's probably not what you want. Yeah. I mean, I don't know what's what the bribes are in Canada right now, but somewhere in some state in the U S it was like here enter for a drawing to win a million dollars. If you take the shot. And there was some, something I saw on Twitter that was like, I'm just gonna wait to see how far they'll take it to see the best bribe. <laughs> and it's so, but it's kind of like, if you imagine something else, if it's not this subject, then like, okay, someone tells you to jump off the bridge and everyone else is doing it. And you're going to, but you're given these messages of like, well, why aren't you doing it? And people are like, I'll give you this and I'll give you that. But deep down, you're like, I don't want to jump off the bridge. I'm, I've got a fear of heights. Like, I don't know what's, will I like, is there something down below to catch me? Like you have all these questions that no one else has. They just blindly jump off the bridge because that's what they're being told to do. It's kind of like, it's, I think comes down to how you feel around it and you can have a visceral feeling around it too. It doesn't just have to be like this shock or this feeling in your chest. You can feel tension in your shoulders and your body. You can have like an upset stomach, like your body will talk to you. We don't really know how to listen because it's a language we, that wasn't required in high school or something, but it, it's, it's there, it's communicating. And so I would say that to, like to really sit with like, does this feel right? Does this feel like the right thing to do? Do I feel like if I were to do this, I would, I would feel okay with myself? Or do I feel like I still have a lot of questions and concerns and this doesn't feel right? Yeah, you brought up another great point too there about how the body talks to you. And I've, I've talking, 
to a lot of people recently who have um, ended up doing it right. And, and their body is telling them no, right. They said, I didn't want to right? in their logic and who they are in their being is like, you know, I didn't want to, but you know, these coercive tactics worked. Right. You know, so, so they say, Oh, I want to travel. Well, that hasn't happened yet. You know, Oh, I want to work. Well, that hasn't happened yet. And so all these future pains and manipulations to try to get them over that point of, of that initial uh, feeling of hesitancy and questions that, that weren't answered. And it's just like the same thing in sales. Um, you plan for their objections and how to overcome them. Right. And so, you know, that's kind of what's being um, done here. And I see that, um, done in a very manipulative way that, that's not ideal, right? And people don't have a lot of time to do a ton of research, you know, always, right? To see both sides of the story and they need to put food on the table. So it's a very challenging space uh, for people to be in. And so um, I'm curious what you'd recommend for people who are, if you've come across anything for people to uh, handle fear, you know, fear and, and to be more courageous. Cause I feel like ultimately that's really important right now, how we can in, and learn to be a bit more fearless, a bit more courageous and stand in our own power because only we know what our inner world is doing. Only we know um, if our body is talking to us and we're, if we're listening to it. And, you know, some people have asked me when I'm interviewed, they say, you know, you know, what's different or how did you have your awakening or whatever? And I say like, for me, martial arts kind of taught me to listen to my intuition and body, right? Because that's a part of it. You have to be aware. And so I would just kind of listen to what I thought I should do. It felt right. I was like, I feel like I should go to the mountains. I feel like I should study with this person. I feel like I should go do these things. And a lot of the time, my dad, who's incredibly logical, would be like, that is so stupid. You know what I mean? That goes beyond logic, you know? And I would do most of my life probably wasn't logical. Um, but in doing that, it, that's how I've gained like my spiritual understanding because I've been able to witness forces that don't make any sense. You know what I mean? To, to see these miracles happen when I jumped in for the people I've met and the experiences I've had. Um, and so that's what I'd say, like when it comes down to it, that's how I make my choices. I don't know what the outcome will be. I hope it will be positive. Um, right. But I'm kind of listening to that. And so even though, you know, I could feel immense pressure from, coercion or peer pressure or things like that my inner body saying this is the choice that you make you know and so i feel like if people had that if they're if they were to stand a little bit more in their own body awareness in their own uh courage and their own understanding and to trust that and i feel like we're conditioned not to trust that right we're conditioned to trust the expert we're tr uh, conditioned to trust the doctor if you listen to the doctor who gave you the death sentence that's what dr joe Dispenza will say too oh the doctor gave you the death sentence there's no coming back from this you need you know pharmaceuticals for the rest of your life what kind of uh empowering message is that you know that's that's wild and so we have to learn to trust ourselves a little bit more, but we're really conditioned not to. So I'm wondering if you could speak on that and how people might be able to um, learn to listen to themselves a little bit more. It reminds me of a guy I knew when I was in college and he walked with a significant limp, but I was like fascinated. I would go to the 24 hour gym, which was actually really open 24 hours at the time. And I'd like go to college and then, you know, do my work and go there at like, like 10 30 at night and work out until like 12. And there is the same guy there all the time. Anyway, it, that reminds me of him because he out of the blue had some sort of like, he, he was working at garden burger and then he was lifting some really heavy stuff and he became paralyzed from the waist down. And 
for like few years, he was paralyzed and he had his doctors be like, you know what, this must be really tough for you. We're going to send you to a therapist. He went to this therapist. He's like wheeling himself in his, in his wheelchair. He goes to see this guy who's paraplegic and is like completely obese and chain smoking and drinking a coffee and basically like telling my friend Taylor, you know what, you're just going to have to learn to live with this. Like, just accept it. You're never going to get better. And he's like, what kind of therapist is this? <laughs> and it turns and he was like, I'm never going back there. And he did some alternative stuff, but ultimately it was this like mind over matter to him. He was out in, you know, Portland, Oregon is beautiful in the summer, just 85 degrees, no humidity. And his friends were playing basketball and he basically forced himself to little by little be like, you know what? There's a window. He tells himself, and you can probably do this. I mean, you can do a level of mind over matter, even for paralysis. It seems I talked to a neurologist, you know, when I was going through one of my programs and I was like, is that possible? Like he was paralyzed and they were like, well, you know, now there's neuroplasticity and Joe Dispenza has an amazing story around that also. And it's kind of like, you can be told certain things and, and you can buy it. And, but how many failed back surgeries are you going to have until you're like, you know, maybe surgery isn't helping this. And I couldn't believe that there's actually a diagnosis called failed back surgery, but there is. Um, and it's like the doctor who says, okay, because in his mind, from what he's been trained, he or she, like you take the surgery, you take the pills, you get better in their um, ability to see past that they weren't trained to be like, Oh, you know what? Why don't you go to the chiropractor? Why don't you go see Serena who like does these mind body therapies? It's more of like, no, we only have one way of seeing things, but that is not your problem when you know that there's so many other things you could do. So I think that in today, today's mentality of like, Oh, you just take the shot because there's this thing that could kill you. Um, but it might not kill you. Like there's a really high success rate with the, the thing that's going around also. And there's also other ways of treating it. So I think the fear that has been going on in the world though, is kind of like the virus itself. Um, and I feel like that will suppress your immune system really quickly if you feed into that. And it's also what you believe in. Um, if you believe that you're going to get sick, you'll get sick. Um, even if you do all the things they tell you to do, like, you know, I don't under, here's the, here's the clean pens. Here's the dirty pens. <laughs> like, like, so I, I feel like if you listen day in and day out and you know, the, the newscasters can make it sound like anything is the end of the world. Like, snowmageddon you've got to like get you know your supplies you know or like there is a wild animal crossing the street like don't go outside you know if you just listen to that and you feed your mind with that you i don't even know how people like leave their homes so um i don't listen to that i don't i don't listen to any of that anymore because i don't know that it's completely true and i also don't want to have that like intensity of fear going through my body and i so i even like if, if something doesn't feel good, like I actually, I had to go back on to like join a group on Facebook, but like I basically deleted my entire profile last spring because there was so much virtue signaling and it just made me feel so bad to like even offer any of my thoughts on anything. So I was like, I'm out. <laughs>
because it felt energetically, it felt bad. And then it felt bad in my body. So I think that if you pay attention to how you feel mentally, and then you go into your body and sit with it in silence and ask your body, how do I feel? You will get an answer. And then there are other things you can do, like going into nature or doing martial arts or doing meditation and really just having that time to go within is way more powerful than going with outside yourself and listening to people that don't know you telling you what you should be doing. I love that. That's amazing. You, you brought up a lot of um, points there. I think that are really important, you know, with the, the person, the back surgery and, you know, people who are dealing with maybe terminal illnesses or anything similar, like you're in this extraordinary situation um, that, that maybe apparently there's no cure for like cancer, things like that. I've had a lot of people on this show and I know many people personally who have cured that through a natural um, remedy. They've actually succeeded. And it doesn't mean it's going to be 100%, right? Like when I, when I train extreme sport th- sports athletes or do something myself, if I'm going to do a big backflip or something, it's not hundred percent. I'm going to land it. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm basically setting myself up to believe, you know, in all the parameters that I can, that I'm going to land it. Right. And so if you don't, if you accept the death sentence from the doctor or you accept that death sentence, like, you know, no one has ever cured themselves of this crazy thing. Maybe they haven't, maybe it's true. Maybe they haven't. But if you say you won't, you definitely won't. The door is shut. There is no possibility now it is done. You know what I mean? So you have to, you're the only one who can keep the door open for yourself. And then you can, um, you know, then look, you know, is this possible? Has anyone in history ever done it? You know, what is the body capable of? You look to the possibility and then you're going to find those solutions because, you know, accepting that death sentence, then you're done. There's no possible chance of recovery. There's no possible chance of me landing a backflip. And when I was coaching the kids, uh, that would be one of my questions before doing the first backflip, because uh, so many kids, that's their big thing. They want to do a backflip. Right. And I get kids from all ages, you know, uh, seven and 15 and, and 30, you know, they want to do their first backflip. And, um, you know, we would go through some stuff and, and we do the coaching and I'd say on a scale of one under hundred, how much do you believe you can land this? Right. And if it wasn't above 70, we wouldn't try it. You know, 70 is what you need because 70 is tipping into confidence, right? 60 is still like 60 to me is 50. You're, you're just lying to yourself. So if you're, if you're 70, right, you're like, no, I'm confident. It's like, cool. I was like, you know, you just got to get it close, right? You don't need to, you know, you're, this is, it's just a 360. You just got to get it close. You just got to go um, with confidence. And then often they would land at first try or become really close. And after they did it, then, then it became 80, 90% because they had tried it, right? It's a very scary thing. And so belief is so important for, for everything. And, you know, what you said about, um, said something about, you know, about allopathic medicine, right. And, and how they will say, Oh, this is the cure, right. This is the thing you do. It's back surgery and pills. Well, that's the whole thing with allopathic medicine. They're not looking at other al- avenues and it got hijacked, you know, by Rockefeller in 1910 with the Flexner report saying anything homeopathic or alternative quackery. The only thing that is medicine is allopathic it's pharmaceuticals it's allopathic medicine all else is nonsense even though traditional chinese medicine ayurvedic uh you know native american traditional medicines been around for thousands of years so what what's happened it's been hijacked and people are giving their power to that and believing it and so that's just a fundamental thing people need to understand is that there are other avenues uh, but it's up to you to be your own healer and you definitely can 
And then the, the final thing I think you said was really important is, you know, what we're taking in and, and in Buddhism, they call it like mental nutrients. You wake up and it's just like snowmageddon and all this different fear. It's different, um, you know, not empowering. It could say, you know, a mouse is going across the street and it's like the most terrifying mouse. You're like, oh my God. Right. And so, but you could have the same mindset and be like, all right, we have, uh, you know, lions from Africa, these killer lions that are feasting on humans, right? And, and it's real, right? And then we got these uh, killer rhinoceroses and, and all these things are out there to kill you, right? You go, holy smokes, that's dangerous. Now, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to go study, you know, how to get a gun. I'm going to go study martial arts. I'm going to go study hunting. So now I'm empowered. So yeah, right. I, I have the awareness that I can miss the lions and that rhinos i know how to communicate so we can have peace we don't have to go to war with the lions i can let you i realize they just want food so i'm going to go over here right and if they come into combat with me i've got my bow and arrow or i've got my thing or i got my tree and i'm going to take them out because i'm empowered the environment isn't more powerful than me i am integrating with the environment and reality as it is and the one that they project on tv and on news and on media is designed to scare the crap out of you because Fear makes you obedient. Fear will make it so, oh, you know what? I'll come and protect you. You know, big daddy government, don't worry, don't worry. Oh, you have a, don't, we can protect you. You're very powerless. You know, you're not, you're not created by a creator and have infinite potential and, and power. You know, I can help you, right? Let, come over here. There's a nice warm blanket and a hot cocoa for you. And so I feel like it's, it's up to us to empower ourselves, to take our power back um, and to be our own our own guides, right? We're so conditioned right from childhood to give our power and authority to outside sources, you know, to these um, so, so-called experts and things like that. And just as a side note, you know, they put Socrates to death uh, for two things, disrupting the mind of the youth, which he was probably doing awesome stuff and saying, hey, think for yourself and denouncing the gods of the day you know, whoever they were. And they had the same thing, these public officials, you know, telling people what they can and can't do when Socrates was most likely saying, hey, come back to your own power. What's your gut say? What, you know, who are you? You know, what are you capable of? And that's what we need to get back to from, from that mindset and that understanding. You don't need a, a book. You don't need a course. You don't need an expert. You just need to start listening to your inner world a little bit more and look for that guidance and trust it and start making a little step here and there, because then you're going to see the universe is responding to you. It's your own unique signature. You need no anointment. You don't need to be knighted. You don't need to do a certain course. You don't need to do anything. It's available to you right now and always, and you just need to start tapping into that and start to trust yourself to be your own authority. You know what I mean? And say, all right, you know, God, I am all bunged up. You know, I got this problem. Can you help? And then it's not going to be like, yes, Matt, here is this, you know, prescription for you. It's going to be a little, a little nudge, a little nudge and a little nudge. And you ask and you move towards that and you'll see signs. You'll be led. You go to the first chiropractor and it didn't work. That's okay. It's not, you right. You go to the next one because it's a process, right? Just like when I'm teaching an athlete that wants to be an Olympian and they're nine years old. Well, you know how long that road is? It's a huge road. You want to create a business. You're in a job that you don't like right now and you want to move towards your life purpose. A hundred percent possible, right? Give yourself a 10 year window. This is where we are today. Uh, what do you want to do? Never thought about it. Okay. Step one. What do you want to do? <laughs> you know, and we move towards that, right? You're, you're 400 pounds. 
you really out of shape. You're about to die. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, we can fix that. Right. Well, what are you eating? Okay, cool. What are you doing? You go to go outside. Okay, cool. Great. And we just start now, three years later, um, you know, you're further along in this process. And so it really comes back to that self-accountability and your relationship to yourself. If you're, if you're listening to that inner world, and then to me, a relationship with spirit, God, or the creator, right. And then you're going to be guided, right. It's not going to be, um, you know, again, like this, Thing from the clouds it's like this little nudge here and there and so that that's kind of my rant i'd love for you to kind of speak on that because i feel like you hit on the essential thing of always giving our power away to something else like when you um you know went to the doctor and they gave you the pills right and then you could have accepted that and that would have been it right oh you'd be still there and you're depressed chronic fatigue you know just you probably be in a chair right now right <laughs> the, the universe got me i have no power right and that's that victim mentality they really sell that victim mentality yeah i mean i i remember also then a number of years later i was i had a windsurfing accident it wasn't really accident but i just i was in the Caribbean and I just kept hitting my heel on the shallow, uh, it was really shallow. So I kept hitting my heel into the sand and then went on the way back to the, to San Francisco where I was living at the time. Like I couldn't walk through the airport. It was just hobbling. I was like, yeah, I should go see a doctor. Well, the doctor took some x-rays and he was like, you have a heel fracture. Um, it's going to take eight weeks to, you, I'm going to give you a removable cast and crutches and just, you know, stay off your feet for eight weeks. And I was like, okay, well, I live in San Francisco. I don't know if you've tried walking up and down hills without crutches, <laughs> but it's pretty hard. And, but I was like, I'm fine. I'm going to do this. I'm going to hobble around. I could not do it. I got a cane. You know what? People don't know how to use canes either. I was like, do you step on the foot that is where just, it was. <laughs> so I finally, I was like, you know what? I think because I'd already felt it like I did on 9-11, like a lot of the stuff was probably, it could be alleviated somewhat by seeing a chiropractor who does neuroemotional technique. So I went to see my chiropractor three sessions. I was 100% better. I dropped off the crutches and the, uh, the cast and a very angry note to my doctor <laughs> saying someday, maybe you'll learn to refer appropriately. Nothing was wrong with my foot. I just had a lot of repressed emotions. So yeah, I would, I say to people all the time, like if you fall out of the building and break your leg, go to the hospital, get it set. You probably have a broken leg. If you have something chronic, don't go to the hospital. Medical doctors are just going to probably prescribe medication or tell you to, you know, take some surgery eventually because you're going to have to do something. But like, I've had so many patients come to me and they've seen like a dozen doctors who all think that they have the, they've figured it out for you. But when it comes down to it, it's some, something that they can fix on their own with just a little help from me. Like I'm not, I mean, people call me a healer. People call me all sorts of things, but I'm not doing it to someone like I'm a conduit from the techniques I've learned and there are thousands of techniques out there, but I feel like we live in this instantaneous society where, you know, I grew up in the eighties where I could just, I had to like get up and change the channel to the TV, but now it's like everything's, or like, if I wanted to get um, an album, if I wanted to get one song, I had to like go to the, music store buy the entire album which probably sucked but i only i just wanted that one song whereas now you just go into itunes you get everything within like you know 10 seconds so 
that idea of like, well, you can go to the people that you've been indoctrinated to learn are going to help you get better. And then you assume that they'll get you better. But what happens when you don't get better? Like, it reminds me a lot of what you were just talking about reminds me of the wizard of Oz, like the wizard of Oz has this ability to send Dorothy back home, but really was inside her all along. And I feel like we all have this amazing, uh, you know, medicine cabinet that's just within ourselves with our beliefs. Like, and it does, it does get overwhelming. It does get tiring. And I have my moments of like depression of like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't know who to go to, like, who's my, in my tribe, like, you know, is it all just, does everyone fight for themselves? Or once you start to reach out and you're like, okay, no, you don't have to do it alone. Like just talk to some people or ask yourself what you need versus going outside yourself and putting all your trust in this authority that might not have your best interest. That's where you start. Yeah. I love all that. And you, you know, you brought up a lot of great points there. And I think it's important for people to understand like allopathic medicine is just one form. And it's good and helpful in many circumstances, um, but many other circumstances is not the premium medicine. You know, you could equate it. And I'll just use martial arts because it's easy for me. You know, if you're fighting someone, um, boxing sometimes is the remedy. You know what I mean? But for certain people, right, you take you use wrestling, right? And so if you look at martial arts, some of these wrestlers would work. You you can adapt for the scenario, right? Just like crap. I'm trying not to use war analogies, but it's the top of my mind. You know, if there's a certain scenario, you might use infantry and there's another one. You're like, you know, we're just going to use, um, you know, the planes this time, because this is going to be the best tool for the job. And I'm sure people can think about it much better analogies than war and martial arts, but that's just where my mind is right now. And so just understand that it's just one. And unfortunately all the other ones are getting attacked chiropractic, uh, homeopathic, anything else. Um, you know, there, if you know anything about at the FDA and what they're doing to remove things that actually are proven to help. So it has to be the onus on you to understand this. And, uh, you, that's a big thing. You have to have 100% self accountability, know that you can heal yourself, know that you can guide yourself, know that you are connected to something greater because the only way that you, you feel, um, disempowered and afraid is to think that you're not part of a creation and a creator and a spiritual being with infinite potential. Um, that's how they control you. That's how they get to manipulate you. That's how the environment scares you and manipulates you. So when you know that and you start to look for that and understand that um, and move towards it, you're going to feel more empowered and say, no, this, this earthly realm has, there's not, nothing for me to fear here. You know what I mean? There's something much greater here and that I'm protected by it and you can experience it. Um, you know, and it's, again, it's over time, but through your own, um, through your own gut, through your own intention, through who you are, you don't need a, you don't need a conduit. You don't need to go to a priest. You don't need to go to a doctor. You don't need to go to a shaman. You could find good people that can guide you. Right. And you could ask for that, you know, show me someone who can kind of guide me to these techniques, whether it's a chiro, show me somebody who can, who guide me towards my healing. Right. And, and you could try a, a variety of different people and you'll be guided. Or maybe it'll be like, you know, you got a friend who got a friend. He's like, no, this is the person. And then ding, you know what I mean? You're like, okay, wow, that's amazing. So you're sending the signal out. You're asking for what you need, but you're, you're taking that responsibility yourself. Right. I don't know how to build a house. Can you show someone who can help them build a house? And you start looking, you know, whatever that thing is. So that responsibility, I think is so key. And, um, you know, having the belief that you are the number one authority and stop giving your power to, to other people. Right. So, you know, your stories were, were tremendous, like the heel one. That's amazing. And I've heard of similar ones before. And so, um, 
there's a lot of different techniques that kind of use similar principles and they get phenomenal results. And I hear it. I'm like, that's wild. Right. And I was like, that's, that's, that's so amazing. So, um, you know, this has been really beautiful and I think really empowering because people need to understand that. I think, again, I just kind of keep saying the same thing when we keep giving our power away and say, Oh, you've, you've cast this judgment. Right. And then there's nothing else. Right. Then, then we're, we're really in a disempowered state. But when we take the responsibility on ourselves to know that we can be guided and we can be the authority, then we're really moving and living in an empowering way. And then, then we can empower others. Like you said, with your healing and it's the same thing with my coaching, right. That help people, you know, live their life purpose, to know their life purpose, to have peak performance, all those different things. I just ask them questions. It's not complicated, um, but but going through the process of life, that's when we can create a container and some other things that can be supportive. You know what I mean? And so there are tools that really help. There are questions and processes that really help, but ultimately it's the person that goes through and makes that decision. And so we're able to amplify and accelerate the process for them, um, you know, knowing that humans are, are very similar, but it's always putting the power back. You know, I'm not doing this magic wand power thing. It's like, look, you're going to just, you know, remember it yourself and, and go ahead. So um, that's my, my rant. And I just love for you to share um, anything that you wish that I'd asked or that you want to leave the listeners with. I would say that it's really easy. I know because I'm kind of more introverted that I can feel like I'm existing on my own. And even though I find other people like you and, you know, other people I listen to that are <clears throat> speaking my language, but I feel that it's really important to find your tribe, make the connections so that you feel like you're not alone, because especially with a black and white, like dichotomy of what we're going through right now, it's very easy to be like, Oh, there's this group. And then there's this group. And I'm just separate because I'm going down different rabbit holes, trying to find my way. <clears throat> and in my, my book, I wrote, um, my book called pain, a love story, because I talk about my own journey with, not just like the 9-11 story and getting tired, but also like growing up in a family where my emotions and my feelings weren't encouraged to be expressed. So I used different stories of like, oh, I had a reason for shutting down, but it ended up in my body in different ways. And I use client case stories of showing how people with different physical conditions had something else going on and I helped them piece it together. But it's all like the common denominator are is the relationships, like how we connect to others or how we feel like we're not seen and heard. And so I would say the thing that I would leave people with is that sometimes the people around us, I know like I have people around me that um, are not necessarily on the same wavelength. I still love and adore them. And we have to find a way to still um, not make them wrong, not make ourselves wrong. And, but still like have connections because we're not like at this point, we're not little individual pods living in a vacuum. <laughs> so, um, so I think that, you know, social connections is really helpful. And when you feel down to like, I, I struggle with this is to reach out and be like, you know what, I'm having a hard time. And then just talking about it sometimes just getting a different perspective or finding the right books. Like you're saying, like, if you just kind of put it out there in the universe, like I need to figure out like, um, maybe a book will come into my life or I'll find a video that will be helpful. Like just wait, you'll, you'll get it. Like, you'll be surprised. Sometimes I think it's always surprising. Like, Oh wow. I can't believe I met that person at the right time 
or I came across this video at the right time, like it really helped me feel so less anxious about X, Y, Z. I love it. Absolutely. I, I totally agree to like, uh, you know, knowing your tribe, um, it, it's challenging times because we can feel very alone. So just reaching out for help, talking to people, just being supportive and, and maybe being that for other people too. just being open, right. Um, doing your best not to be non judgmental in these really polarizing times just being, you know, that person. And if you need some help, right, just reach out to a friend or a family member, because when we get more and more isolated, we can feel alone. And that's another tactic I think that's going on now. There's a lot more similar minded people. I know when we go out in the world, it seems sometimes like there's, there's no one. Um, but even if it's 5% or 10%, which I believe is much, much more than that number, um, we're just not seeing them because of the masks and all these other things and the way social media is set up with the shadow banning and the blacklisting and all this nonsense. The only thing that's promoted really is, you know, all this agenda to make you feel like you're separate. Um, and it's totally not the case. There's people around the world and, and these types of people want to collaborate. They want to be supportive. They want to uh, build a better world. And we're not seeing that right now on purpose because, you know, they want that separation. They want that fear. They want you to be submissive to something greater. And that's just kind of what's going on now. So, um, I appreciate your work and, and, you know, it's, it sounds really phenomenal. So I invite people to check out your work and your book and, you know, look and explore these techniques. If you're going through something chronic illness, you know, cause it, whether it's you or someone similar, right. Or like chiropractics. When I went to Dr. Joe Dispenza, I realized, Oh, the chiropractors like really know their stuff. And they were all like, yeah, chiropractors. I was like, what's going on with that? Like what's going on here. And they fundamentally believe the body heals itself. It's a, you know, it's a huge paradigm shift, right? It's like, no. And what you're taught in allopathic is you're basically trained to give prescriptions. You know, that's what you got time for. And again, it's got its place. It's got its, its purpose, but it's not the be all and end all. It's one thing, right. That has its time when it's its time. And there's other uh, things that might be far more effective if we explore them, but we're taking that responsibility on ourselves and saying, you know what, fundamentally my body can heal itself. You know what I mean? And with that belief, you know, I knew this when I was like, you know, studying mind power, like 18, that I stopped getting sick. I was like, Oh, I don't need to get sick anymore. Right. And it's just started every time I would start, I used to get strep throat twice a year. And so when next time it came on, I knew this, I just started meditating. I went in the shower, I visualized green light in my throat. I didn't know what I was doing. I was making it up. Right? I was like, okay, okay, this is what I do. Meditate, tell my body to heal itself. Green light, you know, next day, fine. You know, I was like, huh, there you go. And train lots of other people in that, you know what I mean? And so it can be uh, used in uh, bigger circumstances as well. So um, just thank you so much for your work and your book. Where can people find you if they want to read it, if they want to explore more, if they want to ask questions, where do they go? Absolutely. You can find my book on Amazon, Pain, A Love Story. You can also go to my website. It's just really easy, drserenasterling.com and the same handle for all of my social media. Awesome. Well, thank you for doing the good work. Thanks for um, you know writing the book and, and doing your part for making the world a better place. And thank you for uh, your wild story of snorting cocaine in a health magazine <laughs> and getting to the other side. <laughs> so you made it. That's cool. We, we were happy thank you're here. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you for what you do also and getting the word out in, so in, in different ways that you do. I really appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Well, we're out there. You know, if you're hey, if you're hearing this, you're not alone. We support you. Thanks so much for coming on the show, Serena. And uh, we'll see everybody else in the next episode. Peace, guys. 
there you have it, ladies and gentlemen, the absolutely amazing Serena Sterling. I hope that you enjoyed that episode. And if you did, please share it as far and as wide as you can. Instagram, Facebook, uh, Telegram, alternative sites, MeWe, wherever you can. Uh, like I said, we just got deleted on YouTube, which is a bummer. Uh, but we are on Odyssey. We are on Rockfin forward slash Matt Belair. You can find all of these uh, episodes archived. You can go to mattbelair.com and become a member. That is the best way to stay connected, to get uncensored episodes to get bonus content and all kinds of amazing stuff. Um, lots of bonuses over there. So become a member. You can do so for free or by donation. Ideally, if you can, there's a few donation options there for you to chip in. Uh, best way to support the show. But if you need it for free, map at zenathlete.com. Send an email and I will send you a link. No problem, no sweat. Would love to ha uh, be connected to you because we're going to keep doing this show, spreading the good word, finding solutions, building a better world, connecting to like-minded community and um, you know just doing our part to you know spread a, a positive message and pro positive vibe to the world. Uh, what else? Telegram, t.me forward slash Matt Belair. Tons of content coming out there. Uh, if you want to support, you can also leave a review. That's incredibly helpful. And for those of you guys who want to learn, you know, you want some of the education that I've put out, the quantum heart hypnosis, by far the most powerful and simple process for knowing and living your life purpose to give you a clear coordinates for who you are. The soul compass, once again, is to help uh, you know exactly who you are, what, what's most important to you and how to aim your life, how to aim your spirit uh, toward what you truly want to create, who you truly came here to be. And then that's when you add all the peak performance, law of attraction, mindset, quantum stuff, uh, anything, anything mindset comes after knowing where you direct your heart, your soul, who you really are. And so that's what the soul compass is about. And that's what the atomic alchemy is about as well. And the one-on-one -on -one coaching is really to help people design and architect their life to live a legacy in the most authentic way possible. And you can do that with community accountability because we all have unique visions and we all have unique, uh, legacies that we're going to live over a lifetime not one year but five years 10 years and 20 years of authenticity of not wavering from who we are of getting through those battles and those challenging circumstances and it's way easier in community and so if you'd like some support and guidance uh would love to work with you just go to mattbelair.com forward slash coaching and that's it so thank you guys so much for listening to this episode let's come into a state of peace and coherence wherever you are in the world just stop what you're doing take in a deep breath in through your nose Hold that breath and let it out slowly, filling every cell, every muscle, and every fiber of your being with peace, joy, contentment, compassion, enthusiasm, inspiration, connection, and ready to enjoy the rest of your day. So thank you so much for listening. Sending you all of my love, well wishes, blessings, prayers, good vibes, your way, wishing you all the best. Have a beautiful day, and we'll see you in the next episode.